This is Danny Yunus from High Probability Investing, and you're listening to the High Probability Investing Show. Important disclaimer. Trading stocks, options on stocks, futures, options on futures, and retail off-exchange foreign currency transaction, Forex, involves substantial risk of loss and is not suitable for all investors. Past performance, whether actual or indicated by historical test of strategies, is no guarantee of future performance or success. There is a possibility that you may sustain a loss equal to or greater than your entire investment, regardless of which asset class you trade, equities, options, futures or forex. Therefore, you should not invest or risk money that you cannot afford to lose. Trade Limited is an authorized representative of Forex Max Limited and is regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority number 229906. G'day folks, this is Danny Yunus from High Probability Investing and you're listening to the second episode of the High Probability Investing Show. In today's show, I'm going to talk about the volatile markets and how to manage your trades to profits. It has been a wild ride in the markets over the last month. Different news have been coming out about the trade wars, you know, the trade war between the US and China. We've had Facebook in the news, all right? So so the markets have been volatile. They've been up and down. You'll uh, usually find in these sorts of markets, you'll have one up day, one down day, next day up, following day, uh, down and then you might have two up days then it's reversed and whenever someone opens their mouths right, like Donald Trump right, he moves the markets and there's been lots of talk about the trade wars right? and the trade wars has been going on not only uh, for the last month or so they've been going on since the 1990s right? and let me just play you a clip um, about the trade wars, and you'll get a better insight as to why uh, Donald Trump has, you know, pursued uh, trade tariffs with China. Bananas taste the best. Behold, the banana. Delicious too. Who'd have thought it'd be one of the most contentious fruits of the 1990s? It could be a spin doctor's nightmare on either side of the Atlantic if a row about selling bananas sparks a multi-billion-dollar trade war. Nobody with any sense wants a, a tit-for-tat trade war, and that is a, is a blind alley if ever I heard of one. It's a tale of how trade restrictions can trigger geopolitical feuds when countries use things like tariffs to protect their own industries. What became known as the Banana War started like this. European companies were importing fruit tax-free from former colonies in places like the Caribbean, Africa and the Pacific to help support their developing economies. Meanwhile, Europe had tariffs and quotas that restricted the fruit that American companies were shipping to Europe from Latin America. And that limited their access to the world's biggest market for bananas. The U.S., together with several Latin American countries, repeatedly turned to the World Trade Organization to mediate the dispute. This case has been lost four times. But before the WTO ruled that it could strike back, the U.S. announced a plan to put tariffs on European luxury goods. And that got the Europeans mad. What the Americans have done this last week is clearly uh, unacceptable, it's illegal, and it's outside the system. Tensions ran high, 
Each side accused the others of breaking the rules. The European Union is the largest member of the WTO. And if you allow them to get away with not abiding by the rules, you start to chip away at that system and saying, is the WTO reliable? Can we count on it? In 2009, Europe agreed to cut back its restrictions on Latin American bananas. Nous sommes mis d'accord cette nuit sur une solution au conflit de la banane. But even disputes with a clear-cut resolution can seem to be part of a larger story. For example, what could be called the chicken wars is just one of many disputes between the U.S. and China. The Obama administration will once again take action to hold China accountable. Back in 2010, the Chinese accused the U.S. of dumping underpriced chicken onto its market. So China punished the U.S. with anti-dumping tariffs. The Americans went to the WTO, and they won. Years later, just a month after China lifted the chicken tariffs, President Trump started 2018 with a protectionist bank, widely thought to be aimed at China. He put tariffs on washing machines and solar panels. Big industry. And made other threats, too. It'll be 25% for steel. It'll be 10% for aluminum. Threats of retaliation poured in within days. We are discussing different U.S. products from which import tariffs can be imposed. Two weeks later, the president stoked growing fears that a trade war with China could be looming. He announced tariffs on consumer goods to punish China for stealing intellectual property from American companies. This is the first of many. The Chinese immediately responded with threats to retaliate against American products. These unilateral moves could test the strength of the global system for resolving trade disputes. Whether the product is technology, cheap chickens, or, yes, even bananas. As you can see, the trade war started back in the 1990s, and it was because of bananas. Now, the trade wars between China and Russia, it's like a tug of war, really. And whenever one of them says something, the market moves. So, but looking at the S&P 500, and if you go to www.highprobabilityinvesting.com forward slash episode two, you'll see the chart that I'm referring to. So I'm uh, looking at the S&P 500 daily chart, and we can see that the S&P 500 is holding up around that 2600 level. Why is it holding up at that level? Well, if you look back to early February, where we had that down move in the market, where the market dropped from 28.72 all the way down to 25.32. That's how far it dropped in, in a space of a couple of weeks. Um, and if you look at the price bars and the volume at that level, we can see we've got ultra high volume and widespread price bars. What does that mean? Well, that means that professional money, the smart money, are starting to become active in the markets. And they are buying at that level because they think that the prices are cheap. Okay, So that uh, ultra high volume is not cre created by the retail trader. Right? That When you see ultra high volume on a price chart, that means that the smart money are starting to become active. And in this case, they shook the market right, back in early February. They, there was a bar, which in VSA we call the shakeout bar. And that uh, bar basically shakes out the weak holders. Okay, so the, whole, so the retail traders, who are the, the weak holders, they can't sustain the losses anymore, so they get out. And who's there to buy? the smart money, 
right? Because prices are cheap. So we saw ultra high volume uh, bars at that level and widespread bars as well. Now, areas of ultra high volume, nine times out of 10 get tested. Okay, and the reason why they get tested is to make sure, you know, to check if there's any further supply in the market. And as we can see um, from that, sh that shakeout in early February, we saw the markets rise and rally towards the 2800 level. We saw signs of weakness come in and they pulled back and we saw the first test back on the 1st of March and the 2nd of March. Okay, so that's the first test that we, we had. And we saw strength coming into the market and it rallied back up towards the resistance level at the 2800 level, where we saw further selling pressure. Okay, so, and now because of all the trade walk, uh, sorry, the trade war talks and Facebook, um, we saw the market drop back down towards where? The area of ultra high volume, which is around about the 20, 600 to 2550 level that's where the ultra high volume is and that's where it's currently sitting now so the market is testing is there any further supply in the markets now looking at the price chart um you know in early april now from about let's say from the 4th of april onwards we can see that the price bars are forming lower, um, sorry, higher lows, okay? So there's not much inclination to drive the price down. It actually looks bullish in my eyes, okay? Now, if you draw a apex on the current pricing action, right, you can see that the market does look slightly bullish, okay? But it's being held up at that 2680 level. Uh, that's where it's being held up now because that's where there is selling coming at at that level if we break above that level the 2680 level then we're likely to push higher now uh, and possibly quite possibly test the 2800 level where we saw resistance okay so so that's my view of the s p 500. now if we look at the at the nasdaq all right, so the NASDAQ, uh, we see, you know, the same sort of thing. The shakeout which occurred in early February, the testing back into the area of the, of the shakeout. Um, on the NASDAQ, we saw a sign of strength back on the 4th of April, which was a basic test. And it was a confirmed test. Okay, so we, we had a test back into the area of ultra high volume. And now it's looking, you know, it's looking bullish. It, it is looking bullish. Okay, so um, so I think we're going to see higher prices in the in the markets. Okay, unless something drastically happens, and anything can happen in in the markets. You know, a missile gets fired, a president talks about the trade wars, um, whatever. It could be Facebook. It could be whatever. Okay, so. Anything can happen in the markets. So in the markets, you need to be protected. And I'll talk about that more later on. Now let's talk about Facebook. Now Facebook has reared its head. Uh, we saw the stock uh, reach its highs 
back on the 1st of March and reached $195 and it was absolutely decimated and reached the lows of about $149.02. That's where it went down to, okay? Um, all because of these privacy issues. A company in the UK um, got hold of Facebook data of around over 20 million people and used that data for Donald Trump's political campaign. And we saw the stock absolutely get hammered. Now, there's a, a, a snippet here from Bloomberg because uh, Mark Zuckerberg has uh, been in congressional hearings over the last couple of days. Um, and it basically said that Mark Zuckerberg was confronted by lawmakers scoffing at his apologies over lapses in protecting user privacy and pledges to do better with one asking who's going to protect us from Facebook. The criticism was bipartisan. The CEO said the company collects digital data on consumers who aren't registered users of its social network for security purposes. Um, but since he's, he's appeared in front of uh, Congress, the stock has actually rallied. You know, the stock has um, done quite well. But that too, look at what has happened to the price section of, of our, you know, Facebook. Right, what did we see? We saw ultra high volume appear, right? Down at those lower prices, down at $150. Widespread bars, widespread bars on ultra high volume. And what did we get? We got a shakeout once again. All right, we got a shakeout and then we got a test after shakeout, okay? So that, with ultra high volume, is telling us the smart money are coming in and buying at these lower levels, right? The news is bad. The news is bad and, you know, the retail trader is selling because the news is bad. And that's what the smart money want. They want to put the fear into the retail trader so they start selling so they can buy at these lower levels, all right? And trust me, the price of Facebook will get back up and will make new highs, okay? So... Um, it's starting to, to push its way up. Now, once again, we saw ultra high volume on those down bars, okay? And once again, those ultra high volume areas got tested, okay? So we can see that there was a test back into those levels back on the 3rd of April and the 4th of April, right? We saw testing back at those levels and we have seen since then the Facebook rally. Now, it's just trading um, back at, up at around $166, okay? So it's had a, had a, a significant move. But in, in regards to Facebook, all right, if you have a look at their terms and conditions, um, which people rarely read, but it tells you there that Facebook will collect data and can use the data for whatever means it wants. And um, I don't know why... You know, everyone uses Facebook. They, they, you know, post everything about themselves, what they do, what they eat, um, where they eat. <laughs> you know, everything is captured on Facebook. And Facebook uses that data to target people, okay? And I'm just going to run a quick snippet of a, uh, of a video uh, from the New York Times about Facebook and the way that they use data. 
Most people know that Facebook has information about them. We submit things like our names, our hometowns, our ages, our birthdays, and our interests, and we assume that Facebook is collecting that data. But Facebook has much more data on most people than they realize. Facebook can take all the data that you submit and combine it with data from other users and outside information to construct a profile of you. Facebook uses nearly a hundred different data points to classify your interests and activities. This would include basic stuff like your age and gender, but also more complicated information like whether you own a motorcycle or you recently went on vacation or whether you're a gadget geek. Researchers have found that by using signals such as your likes and interactions, Facebook could tell if you were in a relationship or going through a breakup. Facebook doesn't just know who you are, it also knows where you are. If you have location tracking turned on, Facebook collects an enormous amount of location data about where you're going, where you came from, where you live, where you work, what restaurants and businesses you tend to go to, and they use this information to target ads at you. And location data could reveal other people who live in your house, even if you're not connected to them on Facebook. Now, obviously, Facebook knows what its users buy when they click on ads from Facebook. But what most people don't realize is that they have ways of tracking your offline purchases as well. For many years, Facebook has had partnerships with data brokers that collected information about people's purchases. So, for example, if you buy a burrito with your credit card, Facebook could know about that transaction, match it with a credit card that you've added to Facebook or Facebook Messenger, and start showing you ads for indigestion medicine. One of the most controversial parts of Facebook data collection is a feature called People You May Know. And this is where Facebook uses many different signals of what it knows about you to determine who else you might be connected to. And this is not always things that you shared with Facebook. It might be contacts in your phone. It might be people who have been in the same room as you. Facebook was using location data to recommend friends. So it might have been recommending people who share a doctor with you or work in the same building. Facebook can also be used to compile data about your political activity, like protests or marches you go to. In one case in 2016, the ACLU found that 500 police organizations had signed up for a service called Geofedia, which scraped data from social networks like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to help officers look for users who might be in a specific location or attending a specific protest. For example, Geofedia claimed it helped the Baltimore Police Department monitor and respond to the protests after the death of Freddie Gray. Facebook doesn't just know who you are, where you are, and what you buy. It also can be used to figure out what kinds of things you might do in the future to predict life outcomes, like whether you will be addicted to substances, whether you will switch political parties, whether you're physically healthy or physically unhealthy. These are all part of the information that advertisers love to know because it helps them better target users. What I find amazing is that Facebook can determine uh, what you will do in the future. Okay, so that is really fascinating. Now, let's go on to how you can manage your trades to profits. Now, 
As you all know, I've been running uh, my own course, the Stock Income Maximizer course. And um, what that course is about is selling uh, options on your share portfolio. Because what I find, a lot of people just buy and hold shares. Okay, so they buy, they hope, and they pray. Right? They pray for the share price to go up in value. But you know, there are times where the price does not go in your favor. Okay, and that does happen quite regularly. So you need to know right, that the buy, hope, and pray method is a method that is so 1980s. Okay, you need to create the market. And with the stock income maximizer strategy, you can create the market and generate an income on your share portfolio regardless of market direction or performance. All right? That's right, regardless of market direction or performance. Because as you have seen over the last month, the market has been volatile. Right? It's been up and down, it's been pretty hard to trade. And if you've been in a, in a stock that you bought, and now you're staring down a bottle of at least of a eight to $10 loss, well, that same stock, I'm staring down the barrel of only a 90 cent loss thus far, but I'm still in the trade. So, so the person who bought the stock at retail uh, has lost, you know, $8, whereas I'm in the stock, I've sold options over my, my stock, and my risk is only around about 90 cents. Now, what the other thing that disturbs me is that a lot of traders and investors do not protect themselves right you can buy a insurance policy in the stock market and they are known as put options right so just like you buy an insurance policy for your house or for your car you can buy an insurance policy for your stocks right and you set the agreed price and depending on where you purchase your put option, right, um, that will dictate how much you'll pay um, for your your insurance policy. Okay, but an insurance policy is there to protect you. Right? Would you drive a car without owning insurance on it? No, you wouldn't, because just in case you may have an accident, you're covered. And accidents occur a lot in the markets and you need to cover yourself. Now, I was uh, back a, a few years back, I was uh, teaching a guy about the stock income maximizer st strategy and he said, you know, I'm going to invest in a stock but I'm not going to buy a insurance policy. I go, why not? Because he, he said, well, that insurance policy cost me money and it eats into my profits. And I said, now you're crazy. You should have an insurance policy because you don't know what's going to happen in the markets. So he said, no, nah, I'm going to give it a miss. I'll manage it. All right? And if, if it looks like the, uh, the stock's got to drop, then I'll buy one. Okay, well, I'm, I'm not in favor of that, but it's really, that's up to you. I can't force you. So this uh, gentleman had about $500,000 in the market and overnight he had lost half of his capital because the stock that he invested in dropped by 
percent and that's why you need an insurance policy anything can happen and with the stock income maximizer strategy we purchase an insurance policy for every transaction for every single transaction that we get into we are covered because we want that sleep at night factor all right we don't want to worry oh what if um the stock drops and i say what if the stock drops well i'm i'm covered all right so would you rather be in the markets with only a, a three to seven percent risk or a 100 percent risk right that is up to you you know so the stock income maximizer strategy allows us one to generate an income on our share portfolio regardless of market direction or performance and two it allows us to cover our downside risk now i'm going to run through a couple of trades um, and this will be on the on the website as well highprobabilityinvesting.com forward slash episode two where we have gotten into a couple of trades which have not gone in our favor all right so not every single trade will go in your favor and what i'm going to show you is how we have been able to sell call options over our shares and reduce our risk all right reduce our break-even price our purchase price so let's run through those so the first stock that i want to have a look at is ynDx all right, so this stock we purchased um, at 42.78. We sold a $43 call option and we received 80 cents. All right, so by selling a $43 call option, we are agreeing to sell our shares at $43 if the share price stays above $43. Now, we also purchased an insurance policy at $40 and paid 25 cents okay so we are covered at $40 so if anything was to happen in the market let's say if the stock dropped to $30 then we could sell our shares at $40 okay so my my break-even after that trade occurred was $42.23 okay so that is our wholesale price so we've gone in and purchased our shares at $42.23 whereas the uneducated go in and purchase at $42.78 now after that first week or so the stock dropped okay and the stock dropped to below my insurance policy now my insurance policy was at forty dollars now if i left it all right and uh, contract expiration came i would have been forced to sell, sell my shares but i didn't want to sell it okay so i i sold my insurance policy back all right and my insurance policy because the stock price went down my insurance my insurance policy went up in value okay so i paid uh, 25 cents for that and i sold it for 80 cents okay so i used that money to purchase another put option all right and, and i purchased the put option at 40 dollars and 50 cents okay so i kept my insurance up around that 40 dollar mark i did not drop it it was up around that 40 uh, it was first forty dollars in the first week. Now it's forty dollars and fifty. I paid a dollar forty-five cents for that. So in effect, I really paid only sixty-five cents for that insurance policy. Okay, and I sold another call option at forty dollars and and fifty cents, and I received ninety-five cents for that. So my break-even after that uh, drop in price 
was 41.93. So recall in the first week was 42.23, now it's 41.93. Now I saw the stock kept on dropping. Okay, should I get out? No, I can generate income by selling options. So I sold another call, call option um, at $40.50, which uh, expired on the 6th of April, and I received 45 cents for that. So that means that my break-even had dropped from 41.93 down to 41.48, right? And that, as well, that call option expired worthless because the stock stayed below that price, okay? So I said, great, let's sell another one because we did see a good, uh, it, it about 12% drop earlier this week in the stock of YNDX. So I said, let's sell another call option at 36.50, all right? And I received 45 cents for that, okay? So my break even now is down to 41.03, all right? $41.03 is, is my break even. The stock now is trading at 35, I believe, it's $35.01 as of the 11th of April. That's where it's trading. My insurance policy is at $40.50. My break even is at $41.03, which means my risk is only 53 cents. That is all. Now, if you bought YNDX, you sold no call options, you bought no put options, okay? The stock is trading at $35.12 and you've purchased it at 42.78. All right, how would you feel? You won't feel good at all. Now you can see the power of selling options over your shares to reduce your break even, all right? So if a share does go against you, all right, you can reduce your risk. And that's a perfect, perfect example, all right? So 42.78 was the purchase price. Our break-even is now 41.03 and my insurance policy is at $40.50. So I can keep on selling call, call options and reduce my break-even further, okay? But now, for, the, for this week, the 36.50 call that I've got, I just need to keep an eye on that because if the share price does go above 36.50, all right, um, I don't want to sell my shares at that price, so I just need to keep an eye on that and if it threatens or looks like it's going to go up above that 36.50 price then i'll have to take action uh, and roll my call option to a higher price okay but at this stage it's at 35 dollars 35 dollars one cents my um my call option strike is at 36.50 let's look at another stock Delta Airlines, DAL. We entered the stock here at $55.37 and we sold a $56 call option which gave us a return of $0.95 cents per share. So the $56 strike means that we'll sell our shares if the share price remains above $56 by the end of the contract period. We purchased a insurance policy at $53 which we paid 15 cents, so we're covered at that, that $53 mark. So our break-even for this trade is 
okay so we've gone in and purchased our shares at wholesale and paid 54.57 where the uneducated get in at 55.37 now after the first couple of weeks the stock closed between the strike price of my call option which was 56 and the strike price of my put option which was 53 so it closed in between those two prices so both my call option and my put option um, expired worthless so what do I do I rent my shares out again and I buy another insurance policy so I sold the call option at $56 and I was paid a dollar and 22 cents and I also bought an insurance policy a put option at $53 and paid 75 cents so my break-even after the first couple of weeks was 5457 when I sold the new call and bought the new put options, my break-even dropped to $54.10. So what I saw after doing that, the stock kept on falling. So what can I do? I can sell another call option. By selling another call option, I reduced my break-even price. So I went into the market and sold a $56 call option, which expired last week, and they paid me $0.38 cents per share. So my break-even dropped from $54.10 down to $53.72. So what do I do after that? Well, it kept on going down. So what do I do? I sold another call option. So I sold the call option at $54.50 and I was paid $0.54 cents for that. Now that is going to expire this Friday. So if the share price remains below $54.50, then that will expire worthless and my break-even price is at 53.18 now recall where i purchased my insurance policy i purchased it at 53 dollars so that means my risk now is only 18 cents that's all it is see by selling call options over your shares you can reduce your your break-even price and also reduce your risk and that's what I've done in this case here. So my risk is only 18 cents. Now, if you went into the market and bought it for 55.37 and sold no call options and did not even purchase a put option, well, you'll be staring down a barrel of at least a $4 loss. I said, would you rather have a $4 loss on paper or would you have only 18 cents? Okay, so that's the power of selling options over your shares because one, you can keep on collecting in, an income and reducing your risk for every single call, call option that you sell. So with this Delta uh, Airlines trade now, my options expired this week. Now, if it stays below that 54.50 price, what, I, what will I do? I will sell another call option yet again okay so so that's the power of the stock income maximizer strategy now for the month of april i'm running a special promotion on my stock income maximizer course now my, my stock income maximizer course retails for 9.97 us but for the month of april i'm offering it at my pre-launch price so you'll get my stock income maximizer course where I talk about how options work, how the markets work, how you write options over your shares, 
how you buy an insurance policy, okay, what to do if the stock is going up, down, or sideways. And I also teach you about volume spread analysis and the sort of trade setups that we look for uh, that are high probability to transact using the stock income maximizer strategy. So that's all covered in the course. Now, I also will offer you the Trade Guide End of Day software. With the Trade Guide End of Day software, it allows you to find uh, stocks that are trending better than the parent index. Because finding those sorts of trades allows you to find high probability trade setups. So it's a simple scanning tool within our charting platform, which allows you to do that. And the data feed that we offer is from Metastock. And we can give you a two months free data, that's end of day data from Metastock, which plugs right into the Trade Guider end of day software. We'll also give you three books, all right? Three books written by myself, Supercharge your trading and investment account using Wyckoff volume spread analysis. You'll also get the book from Tom Williams, Master the Market. And thirdly, you'll get the book written by Gavin Holmes, the CEO of Trade Guider, Trading in the Shadow of the Smart Money. And for those people who join, you'll also get five 30-minute mentoring sessions with me so you can ask me whatever questions you like um, about the stock income maximizer strategy. And you also get weekly webinars. Now the weekly webinars I run um, every Mondays and I just talk about what's happening in the markets, where I think the markets will go. And I also look at stocks and what potential trade setups um, that I'm looking at for the stock income maximizer strategy. So I analyze the markets using the volume spread analysis methodology. Okay, so you get all of that, usually 9.97 US. I'm offering it to you in April for 4.97 US. That's right, 4.97 US. So if you want to take advantage of this offer, go to www stockincomemaximizer.com forward slash shop and enter the promo code 500 off that's right 500 off and you'll get the special discount the stock income maximizer uh, package for 497 us if you've got any questions at all um, about what i've covered in this episode or anything about the stock income maximizer course, shoot me through an email, danny at highprobabilityinvesting.com or you can call me on plus six one four two five seven eight six four one one. Well, I hope you gained a lot of knowledge from this episode. Any questions at all, please don't hesitate to make contact with me. Have a great day, folks, and I'll see you at a future podcast. Have a great trading day and bye for now.